Welcome to Checking In, a Lodging DEI chat. I'm your studio host, Oren Stewart. Stay tuned. Have a great show in store. You do not want to miss it. Once again, welcome to Checking In. I'm Oren Stewart, your studio host. Let's bring in Leon and Miranda. Miranda, hey, how you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. We're here. What's this, episode three? Is that episode right? Episode three. Yeah, yes. right on. It's an exciting time. We've had some great conversations and looking forward to, to having some more cool conversations. You know, I've been getting a lot of good feedback about, about the show. Folks are commenting, emailing. I got a text message from a friend, someone I haven't heard from in five years. This is, I saw your show. Yay. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've been it's getting real. a lot of good feedback as well, and still tons and tons of interest. People want to be on here with us. People want to have the conversations with us, and it is incredible. Yeah, yeah, folks. If you'd like to be on the show, you can contact me, or you can contact Miranda. My email address is Leon the Trainer at gmail.com. That's my email address. Amanda, I'm sorry, Miranda, how can they get in touch with you? Uh, M as in Miranda, K-I-T-T-E-R-L at F-I-U Or if you Google me, my email is going to pop up. There is not another Miranda Kitterlin on this earth. I'd be willing to bet. Wow. You know, see, that's, you say that there's not another Miranda Kitterlin Lynch on earth. <laughs> but Leon Thomas, when I Google Leon Thomas, this jazz performer comes up. <laughs> You know, so I don't have that luxury. The one, the one benefit to having that super long name. Yeah, right on. Miranda, we have a great guest with us today. Why don't you tell us some about, about our guest? Go ahead and introduce who we have on today. Yes, so I'm so happy that she had time to join us. Uh, it's one of our FIU alums, Miss Abigail Foster. She has been doing uh, research and presenting in the area of representation, Black representation specifically. I've had the honor of working with her on several research projects, um, having roundtable discussions at international conferences on the topic. I've never seen a room more full of people excited to discuss this. It was just the energy in that room and the way that Abigail handles the conversation is just incredible. Oh, that's great. Let's bring Abigail on. I can't wait to meet her. Abigail, where did you were just here? She left us. There we go. Uh oh. Am I gone? Abigail, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you guys? I am good. I'm good. Thanks. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah, yeah it's good for you to be here. So listen, uh, Miranda just just talked some about it. you guys. Go ahead and talk a little bit because then I have some questions I I want to bring up that we can talk, drill down some on this DEI conversation. Go ahead, Miranda. Sure. So Abigail, I'm so happy to see you. You're one of my favorite people to work with and to talk to. Um, I shared that you were doing work in the area of lack of representation, Black representation specifically, uh, for both industry and for hospitality education. And we just had a really 
just incredible roundtable discussion at a conference in Washington, D.C. Do you want to share anything about why you started this research in the first place? Yeah. So basically, this was, I want to say, my second to last semester of um, my graduate master's and my professor, um, it was for a research class, believe it or not. And she said, pick something in hospitality and do some, you know, qualitative, quantitative mixed methods research on it, kind of do a deep dive. And we were doing a literature review. So, you know, I was talking to her, trying to get ideas. And I realized, I said, professor, you're the only black professor I've ever had, or black educator by that means, that I've ever had in all my years of learning. This is from pre-K to even on a graduate level. So I kind of started doing some research, doing a deeper dive, and I realized that, you know, this lack of diversity when it comes to um, Black employees, Black leaders, um, on various levels within the hospitality industry is so widespread. So, you know, I decided to kind of hone in on the education, higher education side of hospitality. And, you know, through that, I started seeing um, the lack of representation of Black faculty outside of HBCUs, um, how sometimes they're you know, there can be difficulties when it comes to the type of research that is credible, so on and so forth. So through that, I've been able to kind of harvest a good research project regarding the representation of Black faculty and their experience, their views, how they kind of went through the realms from education to whatever faculty, if they're adjunct, if they're tenured, if they're not tenured, and how that whole process happened. So it was kind of astonishing to kind of see everything coming, um, you know, full front because, you know, all this research and then I too am having, you know, personal experiences like, oh, I actually went through this or this is what this is called. So overall, it's been very informative. I've learned a lot. I am still gathering data um, for, you know, a lot of Black faculty in hospitality programs. And it's so interesting to see so many connections, but different stories and so many personal, intricate, custom um, identities throughout all of this research. And I can't tell you, the second that we get off of this um, show, Leon, I'm going to have to send you some of Abigail's work because it's really, really just well done. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it sound, sounds like it is. Now, Abigail, you were you were talking about the lack of representation in, in hospitality educators and that, you know, you just didn't, didn't see any. And even you mentioned from kindergarten on on up, you know, just straight up in education, right? And I'm when you said that, I started thinking about my education from kindergarten on up. I had one black teacher, Mr. Roland Handy. He was my fifth grade teacher, right? Now my mom was an educator, right? My mom taught elementary school, but as I look at that, and then when I went on to to college. Um, I didn't have any any black professors, and you know that was a long, long, long time ago. And you would think that 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 had changed some, but but it hasn't. And then when I went into the hospitality field, I'm going to give you. I want you to take a guess at this question: How many black? Who was the first black manager or 
how many black managers, black general managers that I come in contact with before I became a general manager? Miranda, Abigail, both of you go ahead and take a guess. Miranda, let's start with you. How many black general managers did I come across be while I was working my way up in the industry? What do you think? Uh, I'm so sad that this is my guess, but I'm going to guess one, maybe. One. All right. Abigail? I don't know if I'm optimistic, but I'm, I'm going to put out four. Okay. It was zero. It was zero. Yeah. Yeah. So folks asked me, so who was the first black GM you met? Mm, me. You. Yeah. And... <laughs> You know, and you, you think about that and put it in terms of education, there there are African-American students, students of color that are going to school and they need to see others, even in that education piece. So why do you think that is, Abigail, that there's just this lack of representation in higher education? So from my research, there's, you know, a couple similarities or underlying reasons from, you know, there's a financial standpoint where from a financial aspect, you know, marginalized communities are not really able to afford. And a lot of these students are first generation. You also have to bring in the family aspect. A lot of these people are honing in, you know, as soon as they get their bachelors, they'll be able to get, you know, some extra form of income and then, you know, kind of helping with the family. And you know, there's that aspect. There's also a lack of education of higher ed. I mean, during my undergrad um, kind of experience, the only way that I knew about higher education was through my personal family members. So my mom, she got her doctorate, but, you know, all of that kind of stemmed from the family. But I never kind of heard people talk about, you know, graduate and stuff like that. Um, for a more like prolonged, even to doctorate, you know, it kind of stops at masters and, you know, there's really a lot of you know, um, confusion when it comes to even applying for doctoral programs, um, the application advisors, what is a dissertation, all these things. And then as soon as we get there, you know, it's kind of shrinking the numbers more and more. And as soon as we get there, you get your doctorate. And then now it's kind of a competition of industry or academia. So then there's also that financial portion where, you know, in some cases, not all, you know, academia does not really kind of give that comfort the way that industry does. So mm. then as soon as they get their doctorate, they're off in industry, which is great. However, you know, that kind of we need to bring it right back into academia to kind of show that representation to kind of build on and to allow to get more black professors out there yeah yeah you know what's yeah. interesting you talked about stopping at the master's degree right many friends of mine and those that are older that are retired educators that they got that master's degree but didn't go any further and i've talked to some of them about it and they say only reason i got my master's because the school system required it or my employer would pay for it and they just they just stopped right right yeah um <laughs> abigail as you were talking i was thinking back on my experience and i went to college in total for a decade so i spent a whole decade in college classes in classrooms Guess how many black professors I have had? Two. Either one of you can guess. I'm gonna go for two. I'll say one. Zero. What? Zero. 
no idea how that happened, but it's a huge indicator, Abigail, that the work that you're doing is so important because once we figure out the why, then we can figure out the um, solutions, right? And I think that you even shared um, in the roundtable in DC some possible solutions for this. Um, do you want to share with our audience some things that you think could be done to help increase Black representation in hospitality education? Yeah, I think um, outside of, you know, the crooks of a lot of this is from a, you know, financial standpoint, being able to reach out to these executives, you know, kind of doing some type of program with them and allowing them to kind of bring their experience into academia. Because I do think that there is a benefit of mixing industry and academia into a real life experience for the students. But I also think that there is a kind of a purpose or some a crucial importance of having the Black faculty in academia kind of shed their light shed their views with students, you know, having kind of fostering some type of mentorship, whether it is, you know, organic or inorganic, just having that visual representation. And I also do think that, you know, bringing in, you know, Black executives in the hospitality, you know, industry would be beneficial for these students to see that, wow, there is some type of higher level, you know, jobs and all of these things that I can kind of go down the path in. And I think at the end of the day, it's just education. You know, I see a lot of job fairs. I see a lot of these and that when it comes to the job market. But, you know, just from a former student, a student looking at, you know, all the programs that all these schools are, you know, giving out, there's really not that many grad fairs. You know, there's really mm -hmm. not that many information sessions on how, what is a doctorate how long is a doctorate what how do you you know what are the stages how you know intense it can be and then at the end of the day how beneficial this would be for your career your academic career any career you want and how this can connect you and move you through the way of hospitality and i also do believe kind of showing an importance of saying that a doctor in hospitality is actually important. You know, I have a lot of times, a lot of students, a lot of people in the industry saying, you know, oh, you know, a doctor in hospitality, you know, it's an experienced industry, so why do we need this degree? And I get that time and time again. And, you know, all I can say is that everybody's different. However, having these degrees, having this education, having this these connections can prolong you into your industry i'm an expert in hospitality you can combine your experience from the industry and you can you know put it into academia and allow your experience and the experiences of others to educate the next generation so mm -hmm. those are from an educational standpoint from schools going out into the community, whether it is from a high, a high school point to educate students of hospitality, get them thinking and realizing that hospitality is not just being a waitress. It's not just being a front desk. Hospitality, in my personal opinion, is in almost every industry. It's just how you approach it. And it's how you, you know, kind of use your education to your benefit. 
Absolutely. Yeah, yeah it's interesting you, you say that a lot of folks basically don't understand how fully encompassing hospitality can be. Um, I, I Last year, I met with a, a high school um, advising department, career advising department, and talked to them about hospitality. And they said, well, you can't have a career in that. Like, why not? Well, all you're going to do is check them in, check them out and clean a room. And I'm like, no, no, no. There, there's so much, so much more to that. It, it, it grows. And, and so you, you think that there are so many students that aren't even getting the proper guidance, the proper advice, even at the high school level, to even want a career in, in hospitality. Now, Abigail, you majored, you have a degree in hospitality and management from Florida International. What brought you to want to have a career in the hospitality industry? What, was, what, what made you want to go that route? Well, it's it's a uh, it goes back to I want to say my sweet sixteen. So I've always my mom would always say, you know, I'm the one who planned all my birthdays, and she was just there to front the bill, and that was just the agreement we had. However, you know, event management, just the notion of hospitality in my family goes back for generations. So that core of hospitality has always been inside me. However, it was always perceived that this is just a characteristic. This is just a personality trait and you can't make it a profitable career choice. So, you know, like a lot of Caribbean parents, they said, we're going to be a doctor, lawyer, engineer. And I was on the right path for them until orientation day when I called them four hours away and said, hey, I'm switching to hospitality. Um, at that point, I realized there's really not that much that they can do. Um, so they just went along with it. So even through event management, through hospitality, I realized how much I loved hospitality and I realized how much of hospitality or the essence of hospitality in the industry is needed in so many other industries, right? Because we are dealing more, especially with newer generations, we're dealing with more face-to-face, -face, we're dealing with more people that need some type of interaction, that needs a hospitable experience. And that yeah. goes beyond a restaurant, that goes beyond a hotel. You know, it, for example, that's why I think Target and Walmart, Target has that essence where Walmart is you get in, you purchase and you get out. Where Target, you know, I could go there for one thing and I'll get 10 things besides the one thing I needed. So <laughs> having that essence in just every day of life is something kind of drew me more and more into hospitality and just learning about it from uh, accounting side, from just the customer service side, from all the areas, it can it made me realize that this is where I'm meant to be, and this is how I'm supposed to use my gift yeah. to educate, yeah. to lead, especially those outside of the hospitality industry, because they are just so you know they're new to this. They're yeah. realizing that, oh wow, this social media can you know benefit us. Or we can, you know, go down in the negative if yeah. the customer service is not what it needs to be. Right. So let me make sure I got this right. So it's four hours before orientation and you're like, I'm changing majors. <laughs> what? They were, 
you know, hours away, I said, I called them, I just told them, I'm changing my major to hospitality. It is what it is. And they were just, you know, I'm glad they had faith in me because I'm yeah. here with two degrees, um, with, you know, great scholarships attached to them. I yeah. love, you know, the research I do. I really have, you know, yearning for showing others or how to be hospitality in the unknown, how to be uh -huh. hospitable when you're not you know, it's not in the everyday practice. It's not in the HR regulation, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, mm -hmm. can I share the apparent side of that? <laughs> All right. So I, I have my, my oldest son is 38. And when he was going through the whole college visitation thing and, and all that, um, he said he wanted to be an architect. So we looked at schools that had good architecture programs or engineering programs, right? And at that time, I was traveling a lot, and he called me, and he said, I've decided on a school. I go, okay, what are you going to do? He says, well, first, got to let you know, I'm not going to major in architecture or engineering. I'm like, but you said you wanted to be an architect. I, I don't understand. What do you mean? He goes, I think I'm going to major in culinary arts. I said, now, I was working in the industry. I said, no, you're not. You're going to be an architect. <laughs> right? He goes, no, I'm going to be a chef. <laughs> no, you're not. And so we're going back and forth. And he's finally said to me, and it kind of hit me. He said, you've been doing this for 20 some years. Why wouldn't you want me to go in the same field that you're in? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, wow, that kind of shut me up. Right, right. And so there it was. So that's the thing. When you said that, I was thinking of my my son then. And Aaron, if you're listening or watching, yeah, you know, there. I know I could have gone into more detail in that story, but but I did not. <laughs> I want to share from both as a um, from both the child aspect and now the parent aspect. Um, I grew up with my mother telling me every day, you're going to be a doctor or you're going to be a, a lawyer, a doctor or a lawyer. And so when I changed my major from pre-med to hospitality management, oh my gosh, her jaw hit the floor. I'm surprised she didn't pass out and hit the floor. She was just not there for it. Um, but now years later, I get to call her on holidays and say, hey, mom, but at least I became a doctor, right? So <laughs> that's my, my redemption. Uh, but now as you look at my daughters, I mean, they're only four and six. They've got a long time to decide what they want to do. My husband's a restaurant manager. I came up through the food and beverage industry. If my child comes to me and tells me they want to work in restaurants, I'm going to pass out. <laughs> no, 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 no. Right. And I'll be the first one to say it's the greatest industry in the world. I'll shout it from the rooftops. But my little babies, no, we're going to, you're going to be doctors and lawyers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So Abigail, tell me about, about the research you've done, the presentations you've done. Um, Tell me that the type of questions that folks ask you when you when you give your presentations on your research and also how folks or companies and individuals are taking your research and applying it to to make to make differences in, in their corporations, in their institutions and all. Tell us some about that. So the current research I'm doing is focusing on black faculty and the questions that you know I ask them. A lot of times I see that it, it's kind of an eye opener. You know, 
a lot of times we are in this, we get into this routine and, you know, we don't really ask questions or we just go along with the flow along, you know, with the groove. And, you know, I had one participant that kind of like held back and said, you know what, I actually don't know why we don't have that many black faculty. I don't know why I'm the only one. You know, I don't know why we don't have um, support services or educational services for students of color regarding hospitality programs. So that kind of, you know, it's kind of a waking up moment for some of the participants, but, you know, doing the research and talking about it, you know, it was just so heartwarming to see how many black faculty would come up to me and say, thank you for doing this research. Thank you for actually, you know, talking about this. You know, this is something that has always been talked around in the circles, but, you know, it hasn't been until the murder of George Floyd that a lot of this is coming to the surface. So having that and then the education of many companies understanding that, you know, we need to actually do some some research and some a deep dive on our own values on our own you know mission statement and everything and make sure it is you know what we actually truly want it to mean you know we need to make sure we stand by our values we need to make sure that we are supporting our employees especially the our employees of color that are you know dealing with racial discrimination from gender race all versions that we actually do support them so it was, it's kind of heartwarming to see. Thankfully, I haven't had as much um, backlash as I thought I would have initially. So overall, it's been a very supportive um, group of individuals, a great community. And I've been able to kind of expand and create my own network of people to go to and kind of converse with when it comes to these conversations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I have two things, if I can. So for anybody who's listening to this right now, I want you to keep an eye on Abigail because she is going to do big things. She is going to change the world. Just watch. Watch her do it. Uh, you know what? I take that back. Don't just watch. Help. Help her do it. Um, and then the other thing along the same lines, um, I get a lot of um, people asking me, you know, you're this middle-aged white lady in the United States. Why are you talking about this? Right? Well, because it's important to me, right? It's important to me to move the needle. Um, what would you say to others like me? How can we help, Abigail? What can we do to help? Well, just like you said, Miranda, I think it's it's everyone that we all need to, if only you know a small group focuses on this issue, it's not gonna get as far as the collective firm. You know, I could turn blue in the face talking about the same thing over and over again and i'm only going to reach a certain you know group of people however if you know there are other people in different demographics kind of talking about these issues showing their support their understanding their experiences not only will it assist those in those demographics to kind of resonate and understand and maybe have an enlightenment on their way of thinking, it can allow them to assist to say, you know, there's no need for this fear mentality that I see a lot of times that's happening, just to kind of embrace it, embrace the change, embrace the cultures and everything. And that can give you a better understanding, a better knowledge of just how we interact in general and how, you know, it's easier, it feels more freeing 
with the more that you're educated in these conversations of diversity and inclusion. Uh, it allows you to not only be the bystander, but the advocate. You know, it gives you kind of ways to educate, but as well reprimand. So, you know, the whole, I don't see color, all that things is not only, you know, hurting, it's kind of debilitating us because, you know, I'm going to go crazy if I'm the only one seeing this stuff and no one is. So I think kind of removing that level of fear that has been ingrained in us, unfortunately, especially in this country, and just you know, taking a chance, having a conversation with somebody. A lot of these, you know, this racism and discrimination is usually always on stereotypes or it's always on the lack of experience or the lack of change in your environment. You know, you can have all of these things over all of these reasonings, but in many cases, you know, as soon as you have that experience or as soon as you talk to somebody in that demographic, that it kind of says, oh, maybe I shouldn't have went and completely assumed that you might have been, you know, kind of in a negative, I see you in a negative approach. Maybe I should just come in as an equal and understand that. Um, I think from just even the research and my personal experience, I think the underlying goal is inclus like inclusivity, making sure everyone feels that they belong at the table because you can invite everyone to the table. However, you know, as soon as we get to the table, you probably expect for the minorities to not say anything, or you might expect for the woman to only take notes and not have any input. And instead of just inviting and just having diversity, 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 a lot of these companies are realizing I can hire 20 black employees, but how long are they going to last? How long are they going to stay in this culture that we've created? So I think going to the beginning, understanding, is this environment inclusive? Does this environment allow everyone to be able to advance in their career? You know, I see this all the time. And like I said previously, you know, social media can be a blessing and a curse. You know, you have a lot of people, especially in corporate America, a lot of these companies that are, you know, starting to panic because a lot of these employees are actually talking and, you know, speaking on their personal problems and experience that they've had in these industries. And even within the comments, you see so many people, you know, rallying with them and understanding that, you know, this cannot stand. And as a, you know, result, you see a lot less people going to certain companies. And with that, you know, then there's that financial burden. So you can keep on saying, let's invite, let's invite, let's invite. But if you're only sending the invitation and you're not actually accepting, you know, everyone, then that's where we go back to square one. You know, the 20 employees that you hired, they just quit. And now you have, now this is a financial burden because, you know, turnover can get very expensive. So I think having that level of inclusion and having that understanding, not even from a financial perspective, because let's face it, the markets are getting more and more diverse. A lot of clients, a lot of guests are expecting to have that level of inclusivity. They're expecting to have someone that looks like them either speak to them or cater to them because they want to feel that connection. You know, for me personally, 
when I travel, especially whenever I go abroad, you know, it's very common for me as well as a lot of black people to just type in the country or type in the location and then just type black people because it's that level of inclusivity that we need in order to feel some level of comfort for us to be able to relax, for us to be able to have that vacation that we wanted to. So just bringing that from just an entire perspective, having that level of inclusive, inclusivity, having not only diversity, but then from diversity, making sure everybody at the table can feel free, can have that level of psychological safety to kind of speak their opinions, have their advice being heard, have their advice being actually used. And I think that can, can that can jumpstart all of this. And mm-hmm. to be honest with you, inclusivity is very inexpensive when you think about it. It's just accepting people. You know, a lot of companies are doing all of this stuff. And at the end of the day, it's just you need to just accept the people and have them feel connected because then they'll have that, you know, moral attachment to you guys. So I think, you know, diversity aside, once we have these people there, then how can we keep them? How can we make them feel like they're a part of a bigger bigger picture? Mm -hmm. I think that you are so right about that. That is such a very, very important point. Uh, And you also gave me another kind of pearl of wisdom. Uh, in this conversation, which is why I'm so glad that I get to be a part of these conversations, because as aware and woke as I like to think that I am, never in my life would it occur to me to Google a travel destination and white, right? It it never would occur to me that you feel like you have to do it. So having these conversations truly is a huge gift. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Abigail, thank you for being with us. If if folks want to get in touch with you, how do they how do they do that? Email address, LinkedIn or whatever. Tell us how do we how do we get in touch with you? Yeah, um, you can always email me at afost. So that's A F O S T 026 at FIU.edu. Um, I also have my LinkedIn account that I do check. I'm starting to be more active on LinkedIn. It's a whole nother monster, but um, you can check me on LinkedIn under Abigail Foster and I should just pop up. You you'll see my face. All right, great. Abigail Foster, thank you. Thank you for being with us here on Checking In, a Lodging DEI chat. Thanks for being with us. Let's go back to our studio host, Oren Stewart. Hey, Oren, how you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Such an amazing episode today. Thank you all once again for joining us for another great episode of Checking In, a DEI chat. See you next time.